This is the Mindvox podcast hosted by Claire Jacobs and Catherine Matlock. Mindvox is a space to talk about our minds and mental health, so we cover topics that can be of a sensitive or triggering nature. We will always highlight the topics we cover in the show notes of each episode's description. Please note, we're not medical experts, we're only experts of our own mental health experiences. To find out more about the pod, visit mindvox.co.uk or at mindvoxpod on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Hi Catherine, you alright? Okay, good, thank you. You? I'm okay, thank you. Um, today we have got a hula hoop instructor and charity communications professional called Daisy Armitage. Hi, Daisy. Hi, yeah, how's it going? We're good, thank <laughs> you. How are you? Yeah, very well. Really excited to be here. Um, hula hooping and mental health are my two favourite topics, and when I get to talk about them together, I just get super excited. So, very, very happy to be here. So I suppose what we wanted to start with was asking a little bit about you personally. So obviously this is a, a pod that we talk a lot about mental health and, you know, what's your journey so far? Um, so my personal journey is that I've always sort of struggled a bit with anxiety. I've always been sort of the shy person. And even though once I, once I get going, you can't stop me talking. Um, and I think I've always been sort of worrying and catastrophizing about things that are going to happen in the future that haven't and I've got a lovely life and things you know I'm really lucky and privileged and things generally go really really well for me but I'm always having the back of my mind this what if what if what if feeling um and also I know Claire that you've mentioned before that you're waiting for your ADHD assessment I'm also on the waiting list for mine and it would make a lot of sense tying in with the anxiety um and also for me with hula hooping like I've always I've always wanted to find like a hobby my mum's always said to me it's really important to have something for you and for yourself and throughout my life I've been going through all these different hobbies trying things picking them up dropping them trying a new thing my bedroom was like all the different crafts all the different (laughs) um instruments that I've tried and given up and um so that's why I wanted to talk about hula hooping because this is finally I've found that sort of fixation that's stuck for me, which is just such an exciting thing. And it wow. also helps me manage my feelings of anxiety. Um, and obviously it's not like a, a fix, uh, a solution for everything. Like I'm not, I'm not coming on this podcast to say, pick up, pick up hula hooping and it will, uh, you know, it will make you recover from your severe mental health problem, but it can be sort of part of something that can really make a difference, a positive difference in people's lives. Yeah, obviously you're not saying that at all, but I think what we like is to hear how things help so many different individuals, because there probably will be a few people out there where that would really work and there'll be some that it, it you know, that it wouldn't. So it's kind of, I love the idea of it, but my back would not cope with a hula hoop. I know that, <laughs> so there's no way I can buy it, but I mean, in terms of the ADHD, when's your assessment? Have you actually finally got a date? I've got a date in April, so I'm waiting for that. Um, That's good. That's that's quite close. Yeah, and it was a bit of a journey for me because it's, I think, you know, people always talk about the stereotype of young, hyperactive boys and all that. So I've related a lot to the ADHD things in the past, um, but I was actually out um, for a meal with a friend whose boyfriend had just been diagnosed and he was sitting watching me and he'd never he'd never met me before and at the end of 
the hour he was like do you have ADHD and I was like no no of course I don't and then I went home and started looking at how it manifests in girls and it was like this huge jigsaw piece of my life just suddenly like clunked into place and everything made sense about school and about my interactions with people about sort of how I feel I'm doing it in comparison to my peers just all these different things strands of my life sort of came together um and again the anxiety because it's so linked as well so yeah so we'll see we'll see how that goes it could not be I mean I think we can often read things into ourselves but it, it does make a lot of sense to me so we'll see I've got my assessment tomorrow so have you oh my yeah. gosh <laughs> so I've wow how long have you been on the waiting list for I don't <laughs> even know tomorrow. I think it's probably when did I start doing that Catherine probably knows better than me when I said uh, that summer last least. year something like that mid last year yeah yeah Mm, so it's been a little while it was supposed to be february but they phoned me last week and said we've we've actually hired more doctors and we're trying to get everyone pushed through quicker so can you do next week and i was like of course i can uh-huh, definitely that's really um, exciting so hopefully but i mean I, interestingly we'll see how you do with this pod because i we are just doing obviously sometimes it's 30 minutes 40 minute pods but i can struggle during this and uh thankfully people don't have to watch a video i fiddle constantly and i shake around and i drink or i move and i'm touching like looking at my phone even though i'm supposed to be listening and oh i'm everywhere so i hope you if you struggle <laughs> do let us know <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah. I think sometimes sitting sitting down for a long time and being in front of screens would be really difficult, but um, I'll definitely try my best. And also, I'm really interested in this, so I'll definitely be able to keep going for longer. <laughs> Hyperfocus. Okay, so tell us a bit about what hula hooping does for you then, in terms of the conditions that you, okay. that you have. So I think that there's a sort of common saying about how sort of with depression, people are sort of dwelling on things that have happened in the past and anxiety, people are kind of worrying about what's happening in the future and for me hula hooping is a way of focusing on the present and grounding myself in the here and now I'm when I'm hula hooping I'm not worried about things that are on the horizon I'm not catastrophizing about things that probably will never happen um and it just really helps me connect to that present moment like when I'm hooping all I'm concentrating on is me and my hoop in that moment and um I also think that it really helps with men my own mental health because of a sense of achievement. You, it's quite easy to unlock new moves with hula hooping. So people often think of hula hooping as just hula hooping on your waist, which you totally can do. Um, but within the last few years, there's been an explosion of creativity with hula hoops um, in hoop dance. So people move them from all different parts of their body. They can do illusions called isolations where you spin a hoop in a hand and it looks like it's floating, but you're actually just gripping it all the way around and tracing a circle. Um, and people have just got become so creative with it. And there's just an infinite number of moves you can do and directions you can take. Um, and I think that just that feeling of just unlocking something every time you have a go or something that you found difficult, you can suddenly do can just be a really great way of yeah sort of looking after yourself feeling good about yourself and feeling like you've got something that you're really proud of um so also it's just so feel good as well um you get a big uh you know when you're doing exercise hula hooping for exercise you get just amazing feelings of um, endorphin rushes and just that feeling of like ecstatic joy um for a movement which is just so wonderful 
which I think that a lot of us are sort of chasing some of those sort of feel-good hormones and that's something that hula hooping can do for people and certainly does for me as well. But the first thing, like earlier when you were speaking um, and you said it doesn't have to be, you're not saying hula hooping like it's a cure-all but it's part of something and I was thinking it kind of cropped up for me that sometimes doctors can prescribe gym memberships for people because of that the endorphins, the feel-good chemicals and hormones that make you, it kind of lifts that mood but hadn't considered the like the mindfulness aspect of it where you're really focusing on what you're doing I guess which is different from or certainly different from me plodding along on a treadmill because that's not my bag I if I'm just on a treadmill my mind is going to go it's going to go to the the stuff that's making me anxious but focusing on keeping that hoop and the tricks that sound like the illusions did you say yeah the, the hand that sounds amazing and that's the whole aspect of it I hadn't even considered it sounds amazing yeah, it just really centers you in the present. And just, yeah, for me, I can be feeling really low, um, really anxious. And sometimes, I'm not going to kid myself, sometimes I can't bring myself to pick up a hula hoop. I know it's going to help me, but I can't do it. But when the times that I do, the times that I say, okay, I know this is going to make me feel better. And I just put on my favorite music and just go, it just lifts my spirits in just a way that I'm just so grateful that I've you know been able to come across something that does this for me and it might be something different for someone else like it's not going to be this for everyone um but it can just make such an amazing positive um difference in people's lives so how, how long have you so actually good. been doing it has it been quite a while that you've stayed on it or is it quite a new thing for you so i started hooping just about five years ago and i um i think i was initially quite motivated by the sort of lean abs aspect of hula hooping which is the sort of thing that gets most people into it in the first place um and i've been teaching for coming up to three years um but i went to my first fitness class and i was just smiling from start to finish and i've been to so many fitness classes before where i i was just sort of clock watching waiting for it to end really not enjoying myself and then suddenly i was just listening to like great tunes from the 80s and 90s and i was just like this is amazing um and i just knew it was for me and I was suddenly just motivated to do it all the time and I just got totally fixated but it stuck um in a way that like a lot of other hobbies haven't for me before um so yeah that's that's sort of how I got into it but I think even though I was initially motivated by that sort of weight loss changing how I look side of things I've actually found that what goes on on the inside is far more important and I've since gone on quite a bit of a journey about body positivity and exercising for reasons beyond changing how your body looks. And I think that ties in really importantly to mental health, because I think that so many, so many people work out to be slim. Um, but actually, you know, lifting your mood, that connection between mental and physical health um, is is so important so by looking after your body, you're looking after your mind um, and you're looking after your mental and and through working in mental health research, I know that so much of the advice can be about getting a good night's sleep and also um, exercising. And I think we have such sedentary lives and finding a way of moving that you enjoy, that you're going to keep coming back to is so, so positive. Um, yeah, and I think with um, sort of the body positivity and mental health, I think that a lot of us struggle with poor body image. And I think that exercise classes and the fitness industry can get a bit of a bad rap because they it sometimes classes can all be about like calorie burning and 
you know, achieving that sort of quite unattainable body um, that for most people just isn't realistic. Most people don't have time um, and that can be really demotivating because if you're going to a fitness class because you want to look a certain way and then you um, and then you're not getting those results, then you might stop going. But actually, if you go to a fitness class and you're looking to get a bit less puffy than last time or be able to do a hoop move that you couldn't do before or just get that little bit stronger then actually you're more likely to keep going and getting those long-term physical and mental health benefits from classes um so i'm really really passionate about sort of separating the fitness and improving our fitness and improving our relationship with exercise from that achieving an ideal body type it's a big uphill struggle but hopefully hopefully people are starting to wake up to this and it's something that that can change <laughs> It's something I only realised, and I'm, I'll be 40 in April, and it was about last year, after exercising constantly since my, you know, for the past 20 years, um, I always felt that I had to do cardio, um, um, and then latterly, in more recent years, lift really heavy stuff. Um, I always thought I had to do that, and I thought if you weren't sweating, it, what, it's not, there's no point absolutely no point my friend I joined a, a gym with my friend even I think in my mid-20s probably and I remember she would would always go together and she'd always want to do a body balance class and I'd be there like I want to go and get on a treadmill I like I've just mentioned hate I mean my worst thing ever is the rowing machine but also the treadmill is pretty pretty high up there I despise it but I'd spend the whole 45 minutes instead of just doing realizing what I was getting out of the body balance class thinking well, when she goes, I'm going to have to get on the treadmill. <laughs> and it was last year, so like I say, so, you know, a long, a long while later, that I kind of started practicing yoga. And before that, I very much had the attitude of, well, laying on the floor, breathing is doing nothing to sculpt my abs. <laughs> so why am I doing it? And last year, when I was really kind of over, in the process of kind of five years down the line, really, of overcoming my PTSD, I saw the benefit of like connecting with breathing and the mindfulness, centering yourself in the moment and taking that time just for you. And I really switched up how I felt now. I'm actually feel like I don't have to punish myself and go to the, to the gym all the time. I actually quite enjoy it. And I do get those endorphins um, because I know that if I'm not, if I'm not feeling that I can do some yoga. And if I'm not, not feeling yoga on that day, I don't have to do it. And so it's very interesting hearing you say how you you wanted those sculpted abs and that's why you did it. And I've heard that about hula hooping as well. I've tried it when my friend had a weighted hoop and it just was, I'm absolutely rubbish. <laughs> um, but that would have just a, a couple of years ago, even last year, probably have been my motivation as well. And it was for everything I did and exercise felt like a punishment and something that I, I was like, why do, why do people say doing exercise makes you feel good? I hate every minute of it. I like when it's finished mm. <laughs> and, and I like how my body looks, but I don't like the doing. But it's about finding your thing, isn't it? And that yeah. recognising that it isn't about the body is or it's, at, or it's at least as much about the mind as it's about the body. Yeah, so the, the class I teach is called Hula Fit and the, the lady who runs it, I do a bit of social media for her and she says that we're all about the internal glow up at Hula Fit rather than what's going on the outside. What we really want is like how people feel and people's relationship with their body, not necessarily in changing how it looks, but feeling more confident, standing taller, better posture, um, just feeling more able to sort of take on day-to-day -day life challenges and 
I think that I think that's for me is the most important aspect of exercise. Um, yeah, just being able to connect with your body gets get stronger and, and just really feel good and tapping into feeling good. And I, I think you're totally right. I think people do kind of go to exercise for the sort of body image and trying to look a certain way and they really punish themselves and then then they just quit, right? I mean, some people can power through, but people get demotivated because they're working really, really hard, making themselves feel sick or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, and actually you can find some joy in movement that's less intense, a bit kinder on the joints, maybe a bit less high impact. Um, but that's the best exercise for you if it's going to be something that you can keep up for the rest of your life. Um, you don't need to be absolutely lifting heavy unless that's what you enjoy and that's what makes you feel good. Yeah, I was going to sort of ask about how you, because like you said, the ADHD, you tend to get into something and then you will, if you have ADHD, obviously we don't know, you're, you're, you're sort of hyper-focused into something, like it for a bit and then come off it. But this is five years is a long time to be into it. So what do you think keeps you interested in wanting to do that as your main form of, of well-being, if you like? What, what is it? I mean, what are the benefits personally that you've found so far in five years for hula hooping so i think one of the reasons why i can keep my focus on it is because i can actually switch focus in lots of different ways so there's like i said before there's so many different tricks you can learn or you can do like a fitness session with your hula hoop and so i think that if i pick up my hoop i might be like right i'm going to set out to do something with two hoops and then i'll drop one of them and then i'll just start doing something Ooh, sorry just throwing my microphone around so and then I might drop one of them and then just start doing something with one hoop and then because I've just learned there's so many different ways that I can take that training session I don't like like have a sort of structured plan to how how my sort of half an hour or whatever I'm going to spend hula hooping goes um I do just flick my attention around but it's within that hula hooping space rather than just sort of wandering off and doing something completely different um and what did you say at the second part? I <laughs> lost my train of thought. That's okay. Sort of what have been the main benefits for you? Because um, it sounds like there's been a mixture of physical and mental uh, benefits to doing the hula hooping. So what can people get out of it if they wanted to try it? With the physical, obviously, you get a stronger core. Um, for me, when I, I used to go to festivals and I get really sore back. I couldn't stand up for so long and now that I hula hoop my, my muscles are much better uh, equipped to uh, for me to stand up for longer periods of time um, and my general fitness levels have improved so much um, in terms of my mental health again it's just finding those moments of just connecting and just a bit of a, a bit of a break from all the racing thoughts and just finding something um, that I really enjoy I also think as adults we don't make enough time to do playful things. I think when we're kids, we play a lot. Um, and when we're adults, life just gets really serious. <laughs> lots of responsibilities, um, lots of things to be worried about, lots of concerns, financial and yeah, bills to pay, places where you need to be, people that you need to um, be responsible for. And I think just carving out a bit of time for just sort of pure joy and playfulness is yeah something that we can all benefit from that's again like on another amazing point I struggle with playfulness I've never really I don't think oh, did I I'm, oh, I could play as a child but I've always been told that I'm quite kind of grown up mature or, or what have you and it was always it was always a 
being praised for that always 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 so I think in my head I always think that being kind of grown up and mature is, is, is a good thing it's very important um which makes me struggle with my three children who I mean the two-year-old I understand she's not she's not mature she's great at tidying better than the 11 year old um <laughs> but the other two are kind of uh, nearly 10 nearly 12 and again I have to consciously remind myself that they're still children because I kind of find that childishness hard to cope with having been always praised for you have to be mature and I expect too much of that of them probably because I was always I expect that of myself and I was always as a child expecting that so I would love to do something that connects me back with that that and it's come up a, a little bit actually I've, I've read it previously like connecting to it in a child and I know it's kind of slightly slightly different but it's coming up for me something that does just connect and it is just fun and you just can forget that no I'm always caught up because I have anxiety too and it's always this bubble of physical you know kind of in your tight chest and your stomach and it never ever goes away because there's always something to do there's always doctor's appointments there's always school after school clubs school runs this that and the other and just taking that time even to, to do something playful is again something I hadn't considered until speaking with you that would not only help me but would help me be a better parent and a more playful mum probably and give my children less of a hard time for, for being being kids <laughs> yeah I think I think it's really important I remember watching a TED talk on it I can't remember who it was by but they were talking about that's something that dolphins have up on us that they dolphins make a lot of time for, for playing and that it's um that yeah that as adults I think we we do just take things so seriously and yeah I love I love just finding those sort of playful I mean my other uh, my other fitness way of doing fitness is uh, roller skating so you can see I'm definitely onto a theme with the with the childish exercising um routines for me so yeah um yeah i really recommend it and it doesn't it doesn't have to be hula hooping it could be anything just art but getting really messy or just finding any way to just sort of have have fun and let loose really i think it's i think it's really important you could literally yeah. take a hula hoop anywhere you don't have to do it in your living room you could go in the garden you could go on the beach you could go I don't know well, in a forest or something you can you can do it with your kids as well and they can have their own and then you can sort of I guess it's quite an interactive thing I mean I just assume I wouldn't be able to do it because of the problems with my back but maybe there'd be certain moves that I could do and maybe it would help strengthen my back which might help the sciatica who knows but um I've never been able to do it there must be some sort of technique is there a, is there tips to, for people that might want to just give it a try and see if they like it before they look at classes and stuff Yep, so my top tips for people who want to give hula hooping a go is make sure you have a big enough hoop. A lot of people try um, using kids' hoops and they can't do it. Um, and it's just physics. If it's traveling around a larger body, it just needs um, a bigger hoop so that it can move more slowly. Um, so a large hoop for adults, um, and especially if someone's really tall or plus size, go even bigger. Um, so um, I think the general saying is that it needs to be sort of from the floor up to your belly button in height, but you can go even bigger, um, big is best, unless it's like bigger than you, don't do that. Um, and then in terms of technique, it's standing tall, keeping the tummy engaged. You 
um, you push the hoop into your belly button and you imagine a laser beam coming out of your belly button, pulsing back and forth, back and forth. I actually have a few videos on my Instagram that sort of explain it. It's probably better to see someone do it rather than me doing it over a podcast. But yes, yeah, so big enough hoop technique and having tight fitting clothes. If you're wearing a big baggy jumper or something, then the, it will get in the way. Um, but I think that like all things, it takes a little bit of perseverance but it's so worth it if you can have that breakthrough and you will just feel fantastic for it um yeah so yeah this is some of the reasons and like I said I think mental health and physical health are so connected so I think it's quite hard to have sort of conversations about um physical health without bringing in those mental health aspects because it is one and the same every single podcast we've done so far when I've interviewed someone I'm like I want to. I want to do that, and you are the one that's even inspired me more than than anyone oh. else. I want to watch your Instagram. <laughs> like, just watch you on. Is there like instructional videos on your Insta, or do you have a YouTube or? So um, I do. Yeah, I've got a few instructional videos on my Instagram for sort of hula hooping basics and a few tutorials. So my Instagram handles Hoopy Days. D-A-I-S, so my name's Daisy, so that's why. I've also, <laughs> I'm becoming an older millennial on TikTok, so we're sort of moving on to that as well, um, which is quite funny because I'm quite a lot older than most of the people whose content I'm viewing. Um, but yeah, so I'm sort of creating content on there as well. Um, yeah, and I also teach classes in Brighton and online. So yeah, lots of opportunities for people to get involved if, if they think that it's something that will work for them. Um, oh yeah, and circling back to what you were saying, Claire, about being out in nature. Yeah, being out in nature is fantastic for your mental health. And again, we all spend so much time indoors and hula hooping kind of forces you to get out to be in a bigger space, like going to a park, going to the woods, going to the beach. And yeah, and also quite sociable as well, finding people who are like-minded and supportive. I think that's, there's so many aspects to mental health, um, to good mental health. And I think that, hula hooping ticks quite a few of those boxes for people obviously it's not a silver bullet and won't won't do something for everyone but it can be just part um so sorry working within the mental health research space so a big funder in mental health research is welcome the welcome trust and they have started talking about mental health more like active ingredients for mental health for good mental health rather than you know people always try and think that there might just be one thing that might make a difference right so they talk about um, access to green spaces, medication if it works for someone, um, you know, getting enough sleep, eating right, moving your body, um, social, um, social aspects, having friends that you can talk to and, and can rely on, you know, um, financial security, that's a huge one. Um, so I think that I think mental health is so complex and nuanced because we're complex and nuanced human beings, right? We've, there's so much going on in our lives that I think it would be very silly of me to come on here and say something as simple as hula hooping could completely, completely transform someone's life, but it can be a tool that can help you find just that bit more joy and just a bit of fun and help you just feel that little bit better every day, which just can make a huge overall difference. Yeah, and it's the little things, isn't it? It's definitely the little things that can make a big difference. Yeah, you're obviously, you're, you're right, it's not going to change everything, but if it, it just helps you that little bit each day or week or whatever, just to feel a little distraction, to feel some endorphins, to feel a bit better about yourself, then it's always really, really helpful and worth it, isn't it? 100%. Um, so tell us a little bit more about, about your job and what it is you do. And Yeah, so I've been 
kind of actually since since the beginning of the pandemic I've worked so I'm at now my second job in mental health research so my first job was at a lovely charity called MQ who are their kind of their goal is to be the cancer research of mental health research and the reason and now I work for an, a, another fantastic charity called MIPIN who works with people with lived experience with mental health problems and involving them at every stage in mental health research because obviously if the sort of research priorities are if research is involving people with lived experience it's going to be the most effective research that helps people because it it reflects people's needs rather than perhaps if researchers just had an idea that and didn't consult people working with the lived experience so before i came into mental health research i used to always think of mental health as something i didn't really think of it as something that research could help i used Obviously, I think about people opening up and talking and all those things are super, super important. But I think that we're kind of, our understanding of mental health is very limited compared to physical health. There's been so many leaps and bounds of discoveries in modern medicine um, that have helped extend so many people's lives. And now I feel like it's kind of time for mental health research to shine and do the same thing for mental health um, as has happened with physical health. So I think that it's really opened my eyes to just a totally different way of thinking about mental health. And I think that maybe people might assume that mental health research is all about trialing new antidepressants or drugs and stuff. And that is a part of it. But there's loads of great examples where it could just be about um, loads of great examples that sort of go beyond that. Um, one of my favourite um, studies that MQ funded uh, was a lady in northern Uganda who there were people who were living with HIV and also had depression and um, a way of people being able to access their HIV medication was that they would um, go to sort of group support psychotherapy group support therapy where there was sort of run by the community rather than like a mental health professional and they supported each other um, and they worked with the people within the study and they the the participants kind of helped shape that research and the outcomes were amazing so people who would go and get their hiv treatment and were in this program stepped like 90 percent of them stayed depression free six months afterwards which is just such an amazing result so yeah i just think that mental health research is really exciting there's so much potential um, but it, I think it's not something that the general public think as much that research uh, that research can can. Sorry, I got tongue tongue tied. Um, I think that people don't often think of mental mental health as something that research can help find answers for. But absolutely, it can. You know that resources are limited, and so research can help find out what helps and how people can be helped in the best way. So it's a really great tool um, to unlocking better mental health for people in the future. I think I'm a, a huge fan of research. I really, really am. I kind of I did a research degree way back when and I'm a massive, massive fan of it because I think sometimes it can, it, 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 A, you want to know what works, what doesn't work. You want to make informed decisions and you, it kind of legitimises stuff that people might not take so seriously without any kind of research backing. And I'd be guilty of that as well. Like I'm thinking that Ugandan study sounds incredible and reminds me of um, a book that you may or may not have even heard of, uh, let alone read, but the Continuum Concept. 
where it's about it's actually kind of a, a, a it's not a parenting book but it's about research about traditional communities and the mental load on mothers it's a lot of kind of Claire and I think about we run a mental health mom day on on Instagram yeah. mental load on mothers is huge and mm-hmm. the continuum concept focuses on the difference that the community makes and it, you know it takes a village that kind of concept as to the help and support and the difference that can make to someone's mental well-being is immeasurable but you're right that that's just that's kind of research that she's done into into studies and it's kind of it was oh god I think it was in the 70s and it hasn't it really remained on the fringes it's stuff you know about if you kind of don't follow mainstream parenting and it's a it's a shame really and it's it's a shame it's taken this long to kind of come to the fore and look at how important like the value of peer support is and having that support that community around you to maintain your mental well-being someone who who they don't even have to have gone through it themselves but someone that you can trust to unload and they're like I'm here for you without the judgment and the difference that can make kind of links in I guess to the talking about it but the and, it, and which has its place but the the studies to show and I guess the next step is why, why that makes a difference. Um, but the studies that show that that does make a difference really, really helps. I've heard just yesterday on Facebook, someone that opened up about something and she said, and she ended up saying, I'm better just suffering in silence. And I, you know, thinking, no, like I wasn't involved. I read the conversation after, as she sometimes do on Facebook. Um, and you think, no, and to have the evidence base there as to why, um, people having support around them make such a difference is is invaluable I think totally I think that yeah mental health men's mental health as well and um I think learning through my roles about just the really high suicide rates for young men and it um I don't I I think it's one of the leading causes of death for young men in the UK you know men under the age of 45 it might even be the leading cause and it's just heartbreaking but it's reassuring to know that there are some amazing researchers out there looking into preventing suicide and finding out what can help people because it's a huge it's a huge problem and I really think that research offers that hope that I think can it can sometimes sometimes mental health and mental health problems can feel quite hopeless and actually mental health research can offer that hope and that things can get better and things will change so yeah, I think I think it's a it's a really exciting it's a really exciting space to be working in. Um, but also yeah, kind of shocking. Like I know that I think nine pounds is spent per person affected by mental health problems in on research in the UK, whereas it figures closer to about two hundred and thirty pounds on cancer. So when you look at kind of our level of understanding on like physical health versus mental health, we're just really at the beginning of starting to sort of wrap our head around mental health. And hopefully over the next few years, we'll see some really important steps forward but that's not going to happen unless there's more awareness and people start um you know start you know the public even start donating for towards mental health research charities because it can make a world of difference absolutely and it's it's i guess it's a bit chicken and egg it's if people don't take the you know people generally don't take mental health as seriously as physical health are they gonna want to invest in it but if they don't invest in it the research isn't done, which when I was touching upon, I think the research legitimizes it, and, and it's mm-hmm. kind of it's cyclical. And yeah, that you really put that up, obviously than I, I did, but with the men's mental health and and it, the leading the leading cause of death amongst men of a 
young men is, is suicide. And again, there's, we can get into, don't get me into patriarchal society because I won't stop. <laughs> but <laughs> no. but um, yeah, the stigma, I mean, I guess there's, there's stigma around mental health anyway, but the stigma attached to men's mental health that means that men don't talk, don't speak out or don't often feel able to speak out is a huge issue. And if there's the research into that and it becomes as well researched and therefore, I guess, in some people's eyes, more legitimised as cancer research, that can only be a good thing, only a positive thing. We'll just save so many more lives. Yeah, I just think it's a really important aspect of people's of people's lives. And I and I and I have a lot of faith that mental health research can can make things better for people. Um, It's going to take a bit of time. Research is you know, research is quite a slow process, getting the funding for something, getting it approved, jumping through lots of hoops. Um, but I think I think there's a real potential and I really hope that there'll be sort of lots of changes over the next few years that come from the answers that uh, fantastic researchers find about mental health research. So, yeah, watch this space. <laughs> yeah, it's quite shocking that like, I think it's something like one in three people at some point in their life will have a mental health issue which I think possibly is a similar statistic to how many people may know someone or be around someone who ends up with a cancer diagnosis. So you would think that the funding would be kind of a bit more fairer for both, really, um, because they both affect us in in quite tricky ways. But like you said, maybe this as well, this pandemic itself, it's, it's completely made the mental health issues even worse for a lot of people. And it's given people mental health issues that have never had them. Um, So the, the kind of the support is harder to access because there's so many people needing it now i wonder if that totally. will if that might spark a well hang on we need to look more into this and it might actually show that there's such so little known about all of it really and how to support people but i guess we'll see and hopefully charities like the one you work for will get more ability to do that stuff um i guess from looking at your work so working within research as well as your your now hobby and work with with hula hooping sort of with your own conditions, like you said, you have anxiety and possibly ADHD. What you've learned so far, what do you put in place for self-care to help maintain your well-being? Obviously, we know the hula hooping is a big one, but but what else do you do to, to maintain your mental health at the moment? Um, I think there's certainly something that I know I should do and that I think we could all probably be much better at, and it really just ties in. I mean, the research says it, and we all know this, that we just need to be kinder to ourselves. And just like, we're, you know, and we're all good at being kind, right? We're kind to our family, we're kind to our friends, um, but for some reason, we're just not that nice to ourselves. And and I catch myself, I think I'm, I'm I think it's fair to say that I'm, more horrible to myself than any other person in my entire life and nobody treats me the way that I treat myself and I think that sort of catching yourself talking to yourself in a negative way and trying to talk to yourself like you talk to a friend can be really helpful it's somewhere I'm not by no means an expert at it but I'm definitely at the point where I'm catching myself bullying myself a little bit more and just trying to choose a little bit more kindness Um, I think also having that conversation with a partner or a friend who can notice it in you and then they can help you pick up on that for for you as well can make a can make a big difference. We do all need to be nicer to ourselves even I knew that I needed to get back into kind of doing affirmations and things and I've really been saying this for six months and yesterday morning I actually did it (laughs) and I wrote down things that I actually thought about myself but that I don't 
consciously think, like things like I am strong, I am just listed my kind of positive qualities, I think I'm resilient. And I don't ever, I mean, I have a tendency to just focus on the negative so easily, so easily. It's all I see. And I don't even necessarily tell myself bad stuff. I just don't tell myself the good stuff. I don't, um, I don't, I'm, I'm not one that focuses on telling myself like, oh, I mean, I guess I do the, uh, oh, you need to lose a couple more pounds, you'll be so happy type thing, <laughs> ridiculous. Um, but generally don't speak badly to myself, particularly, or bully myself, as you put it. But I, I'm not kind to myself. I don't recognise mm. the traits in me. I never focus on them. And when I really thought about it, I was forced to spend however many minutes. I think I gave myself five minutes to fill an A4 page of, actually, I'm, I'm loyal. Things I value about myself. I'm intelligent. I'm committed, resilient, all of that. And writing them down, I thought, I, I actually am all those things. Why do I never... Why do I not focus on those? Why do I focus on external things that, oh, I haven't, I haven't got this or I need to do that and not ever tell myself, these are amazing. I'm, I'm focused on things that I've got wrong. But these are really great, steadfast, strong qualities that I possess and just need to remind myself of that. Yeah, <laughs> um, definitely. And I think we all do. Definitely. And I think, I think this sort of ties back into to so many ways. I think that, again, like, people might get into the hula hooping for fitness and then people beat themselves with a stick that they're not getting the sort of bodily results or something that they want but actually just remembering sort of how far you've come is always just so important and I think I think yeah we all just need to practice being a little bit nicer to ourselves and fight and seeing the good in ourselves because we've all got so much we've all got so so many positive things to offer and we just always focus on where we're lacking rather than where um where we're, where our strengths are Hundred percent. I do it all the time. Actually, I went on your Instagram and I just watched some of your reels. They're incredible. They're insane. You do a blindfolded thing where you're spinning it around your legs, and I'm how? <laughs> but that, that was. A th and then I went on and googled hula hoops and got my brain in a kerfuffle because some of the reviews were like, "Oh, they have to be small," and I'm like, "That's not. That's not right." And it's in a newspaper, so I believe you more than the newspaper. Uh -huh. <laughs> I was like, which which hula hoop do I buy? Because I'm I'm convinced that this is the thing I want to try. And then I text Claire and was like, "But." I know myself, I'm so hard on myself that I'll pick up a hula hoop, it'll drop down, I'll maybe do, try it sort of repeatedly because I'm not I'm not a quitter, but I don't like being bad at stuff and I know I'm bad at hula hooping because I mentioned my friend has one. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard. How I, And I need to start doing things that I'm bad at. I can't just constantly do things that I'm good at and think I'm great at everything because I don't do stuff I'm bad at. <laughs> and I'm incredibly bad at hula hooping, but I can see so many benefits to it. How do you, I mean, have you come across, because you seem quite resilient and like, oh, you stick at it. I found something I loved and, and got good at it. I mean, do you ever come across people that are just absolutely terrible, but stick with it and see the benefits? That's what, because I think there are so many benefits. Don't think I'm going to be teaching hula hoop in two years like you were. <laughs> but how do I overcome that picking something up that's actually quite tricky to do, being very bad at it and just giving up? <laughs> well... I guess the important thing is enjoying the process, right? Like you can decide that you want to pick up hula hooping and you can buy it, you can buy a hula hoop and you can actually find the whole process really, really frustrating and it's not for you. And if it's not for you, it's not for you. It's not for everybody. Um, but I definitely do see people who might come along to one of my classes and their first week, like, so my fitness, the, the fitness classes, uh, hula 
hula fit. You sort of spend a bit of time at the beginning learning how to waist hoop, how to save the hoop when it falls, and then you might do a bit with your arms, some legs, and, and then you kind of use the hoop as a prop. And we do some tricks at the end. And some people might spend the whole class while other people are doing stuff with their arms and with their legs, they might just spend the whole class working on waist hooping. And that's totally cool. And I, we all try and create like an environment where people feel safe to just do that. And it doesn't matter if people aren't catching up. The only difference between them and the people who can do stuff with their arms and their legs and jump around whilst waist hooping is practice. And I think that, um, you know, if any, if you, if you can, if you can, if you, unless you have sort of any injuries or a disability that, like means you physically can't like any anybody who can shake their hips can spin a hula hoop it's just technique getting the right size hoop and a little bit of perseverance um and that for me is the most joyous part of being an instructor like seeing people who couldn't do it suddenly get it and it's suddenly clicking because once you get it it's like riding a bike and you you know once you've nailed that technique it will always be there um and i just love seeing people progress and get better and get more confident and just feel amazing when they do it. It just fills my heart with joy. So yeah, I love it so much. So uh, yeah, to anyone thinking about giving it a go, it might not be for you, but if it is, you'll find something that you really love. And yeah, I just hope more people give it a go because it is just such a fantastic, fun way to move your body. And it just is so good for your mind as well as your body. And that's why I love it so much. Aww. It looks fun. All your videos as well, it's gonna sound no, I mean, it's, it is very melodramatic, but I haven't felt like excited about the prospect of kind of, I guess, in, in inverted commas, an exercise than like speaking to you, watching your, your Instagram. Uh, I haven't felt excited about any kind of exercise really like that. And so I feel like I definitely, definitely, definitely want to give it a try. And I need to like <gasps> not just drop the hoop once again now. Can't do that. <laughs> oh, I'll give you a lesson then, definitely. Oh, that makes my heart so happy. <laughs> it looks incredible. I recommend oh, everyone check out your, your Insta. It's just so fun. The things you do are insane. <laughs> oh, thank you. No, definitely. Thank you for coming on and talking about it. Um, if anyone does want to, you know, have listened and thought a bit like Catherine, oh, I want to have a look, you are on Instagram and TikTok as Hoopy Days. Um, that's H O O P Y D A I S, but I'll put the links to that in the in the show notes anyway. Um, and they and like you said, so do you do online classes as well as classes in Brighton, so people can do yeah, that's there? right. Okay, so they can always yeah, ask, they can DM you if they want to ask a bit more about what you offer. That sounds really good. Totally, that would be amazing. Yeah, Will thank you, you so think... much for having me. That's mm -hmm. right, it was our pleasure. We usually do end with a, a mantra, but I kind of feel like you've just said it before that anyway about being kind to yourself and and being i think that is that your sort of main mantra at the yeah, moment yeah absolutely yeah definitely choosing yeah being kind to yourself and just finding whatever brings you joy and makes you happy because there's so many wonderful ways to express and uh find yeah find things that bring you joy but um life's short and we've got to find all the good bits where we can right <laughs> definitely and like you said if you can find fitness is really good for our brains as well and if we can find fitness that's enjoyable then we're more likely to do it aren't we so um, i can totally. tell you why you've you've stayed with that particular one rather than a, a treadmill which is oh some yeah people like that. some people like that some, <laughs> I can't judge. some people love running 
but yeah no it sounds amazing but thank you very much for coming on maybe we'll have to have you on again and see if Catherine's managed to <laughs> do the hoop and yes I'm, I am the update hold, hold her <laughs> so excited by the thought of it oh, <laughs> yeah. well thank Brilliant. you for listening everyone and thank you um, Daisy and happy hooping <laughs> if you've liked this episode please help us out by liking subscribing and leaving us a review as this helps us to reach more people if you have ideas about future episodes or any questions or feedback, please get in touch via the website mindvox.co.uk or via socials at mindvoxpod on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or you can email us on hello at mindvox.co.uk. Mm-hmm.